Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you today. Uh, I'm very excited, Matt. Thank you again for joining us, the semi-regular Matt. I guess you're kind of regular Matt now. Like a I mean, regular Sunday, Sunday regular Matt. Matt, yeah. Sunday regular yeah. Matt. Uh, Sunday Matt. Hang on I a like second. I mean, not quite. It was kind of regular semi-regular Matt, but then last Sunday had to bail, so now you're mm. less regular. What are you now? I don't know what are you know what? Let's do the semi-regular because semi -regular. you know because of that bail time. That, yeah. that kind of I, I can't be too regular because if I'm regular, no. I'm predictable, right? Yeah, yeah. that's so, right. Yeah, pattern interrupt yeah. us for sure. Damn. Uh, it's right. funny because Tanya mentioned, uh, she was talking with me the other day and she was like, you know, every time you call him semi-regular Matt, it kind of sounding like everyone's talking about, uh, whether or not he's constipated or he's kind of constipated, but not kind of, <laughs> and I was like, he gets out. his fiber. Yeah. He looks yeah. after himself. Exactly. Um, now while we're discussing all of this, I do want to remind everybody, make sure you like the show, hit the subscribe button, do the notification bell that we get email every day, uh, when we go live, which is of course every day. Um, we will, we are, of course, are not doctors, not on this panel at least. And um, I do want to remind everybody, if you have any thoughts or questions about what we say, do your own research. By all means, look it up, check it out. And if you have any thoughts or questions that you want to ask us directly, put them in the comment section and then we can discuss them and put them up on screen and go through them with the conversation. Any initial thoughts or right off the top of your guys' head, whether or not anything uh, percolating right, uh, right away? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, let's dive right into the conversation. The thing we're talking about today, building communities. And should have got uh, Shane Wenzel on this one. You know, I've been trying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, we need to get him back on immediately. Yes, indeed. Um, the one thing I did want to do before we get anywhere is tighten us up with a bit of a definition as to what a community actually is because I think that that is important. So I'm going to dive into that and then we can go into some initial thoughts from there. So community is a noun. It's a group of people living in the same locality and under the same <laughs> government. It's also the district or locality in which uh, such a group lives or three, a group of people having common interests, which is an interesting way of putting it. Let's, uh, what are your guys' initial thoughts on communities as a whole is it like what is your kind of definition of what a community is and then we'll dive into building them so matt let's start with you what do you think i think that definition was very like the politically correct answer honestly like that's textbook this is a community and that's a city block kind of thing right uh for me a community is a group of individuals who are like-minded and take care of each other right tribe is a good way to describe it too where you have a common focus but you are bringing each other up as well as yourself. And that same goes for them. They're bringing you up with them too as well. So it's more, I think it's more tight knit than just the textbook description. Uh, communities can be anything too. And it doesn't have to be like coming from the military thing. We have our own culture within a culture, but I would also say that we have communities within communities, right? Like chance, you know, when you're in a different section or a troop or something, you had rivalries against other sections and troops. But your community, your section, that was that was your bond. That was your that was your group you went to, right? You, you drank with them, you cried with them, you bled with them, and at the end of the day, you went and did other stuff that it repeat, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's why I kind of initial thoughts on that one. That's a good one, uh, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, I feel the same way. Well, similar to Matt, I think I don't know if we're identical 
on on the definition, but how I see it is, it's just a collection of like-minded people. And as I was looking at the building communities, the first thing that came to mind was, and it it branches directly off of the topic that I was discussing this morning on my live IG chat, and it came about uh, exactly a year ago. Uh, I was standing in the Louvre in France um, to uh, look at a bunch of different art, and I was standing in front of Spartacus. Uh, a statue of Spartacus in marble, and um, I, I, because it popped up in my OneDrive this morning, as I looked at the image, I thought, eh, you know what, I'm I'm just gonna re relearn about Spartacus again. So I started digging into his background, gladiator, slave, uh, revolutionary, blah blah blah, all of the good things, and so he started a community to some degree where. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, less than 70 gladiator slaves escaped and with kitchen utensils and grabbed then gladiatorial weapons and fought their way out, then started uh, moving off towards Mount uh, Vesuvius. And at one point, uh, Spartacus had collected, not collected one-on-one uh, -on -one personally, but through a process, built a community, collected 70,000 slaves within his army. And that was to fight against the Roman, um, we'll call it, invasion of his own lands or the uh, the over-disciplined approach towards the general population, or let's call it what it was, slavery, a harsh slavery that uh, decided to do something about it. And a, a dude called Spartacus built a 70,000-person community to fight against that slavery. Now, it didn't work out very well, of course. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, uh, the initially they fought well. They they did lots of good things to preserve the uh, people within that uh, slave army. But eventually, the Roman forces started putting a lot of resources against Spartacus, and at some point, a forty thousand man army was formed under the uh, under a general, and I want to say his name was Glaber or something like that. Anyway. Mm -hmm. 40,000 men got to push towards Spartacus to try to uh, defeat him. And through a long and arduous process, it was done. Now, two things that kind of stood out for that uh, period of time for me. One, uh, both things I'd forgotten. One was, and Chance, maybe you can see it as you're looking into the story, but uh, the out of the 40,000 men that got formed up uh, to go and try and defeat Spartacus, the general who was leading it, who was known as a harsh taskmaster, uh, decided to invoke the law of, uh, was it not discrimination, the law of not disintegration, the law of uh, something like that. Destruction or something, yeah. I no, think, yeah. no, it wasn't destruction. Um, it was, anyway, what he did do was every 10th man was killed within uh, that 40,000 man uh, cohort. And so as it broke down into the various different little subunits, finally broke down to the smallest unit, which was 10 men. Decimation. And, uh, the law of decimation, that's right. And so uh, out of those 10 men, they all had to draw a straw. And the man who drew the shortest straw was then either clubbed, stoned, or stabbed to death. And then the other nine men would have to grab their gear, move out of the city walls, and sleep on the hard dirt and, and uh, face other adversities. Their rations were switched from wheat, which was their normal daily ration. It was switched to barley, which was considered a cheaper, uh, more slave-like uh, food, as it were. So es essentially, 
10% of a fighting force of 40,000 men was killed. And then the other 90% was uh, put to the harsh task of you better all get with the program or you're going to get it. And so that's how that battle started with a Roman general kind of putting the herd on his own community to go and destroy another community that was trying to defend itself against the community that was putting slavery on it. So, and then what the other outcome was Spartacus who had built this community was then not only were his men killed, but then subsequently they were all punished where 6,000 slaves that uh, survived uh, from the Spartacus side, uh, the Romans took them, all 6,000, and crucified all of them and put them on either side of the road all along the Appian Way that ran from Rome to all of the uh, outlying cities. So a community that was built on like terrorizing, a community that was built to try to fight against terrorizing, and then the outcome is 6,000 crucifixions. What lesson was learned? Well, as I sat down and looked at that image this morning, the lesson I learned was one man can stand up against that kind of uh, uh, nonsense and raise an army for the right reason to fight against uh, this kind of evilness. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a whole different story, I suppose. That is a, uh, another larger discussion. I have... <clears throat> a couple of things on that and Matt, I'm going to come to you with this question as soon as I, once I'm done with this, so be prepared. Um, so I just want to pull this up. While the term today is generally used to describe any massive defeat, the Latin word for decimation actually means the removal of a tenth. So the concept originated in the Roman legions. And as you said, Sean, under such a sentence, a body of troops would be divided into sections of 10 men, and one soldier from each group would be chosen at random, usually through a lottery, and the unlucky infantryman would then be beaten to death by his comrades. The sentences were carried out regular, uh, regardless of the victim's rank, reputation, or even involvement in the transgression in question. The fatal blows were typically struck with clubs, a practice the Romans called fustuarium. I probably decimated that one, but... <laughs> um, it, it brings into mind in that communities can be built in many different ways. That's right. right. That you was going to be the point. Yeah. And that, you know, you can build a community through violence. You can build a community through love. You can build a community through um, deception. You can build it through many different ways. So the question I want to hit you with there, Matt, is, you know, what, what has your experience been with, let's say, toxic built, toxically built communities or communities in which, you recognize we're not running a good program. What do you think? Oh. The, the communities that I've always seen that were toxic were always um, self-centered at, at a individual level. Um, when when someone was saying was doing something, doesn't have to be military, doesn't have to be kitchen, doesn't have to be anything, but if they were doing it just for their own games and not actually for the team itself those turned into toxic environments and going back to sean's story about spartacus even though they were slaves and even though they were gladiators they're still gladiators and they were still owners and still performers but the owners were the toxic element of that community right community doesn't have to be like a just positive thing it could be a negative thing too as well or in between when Spartacus rose up and, and took his his community away from the 
bigger community, right? It was because there was a toxic element to it too as well. So I, I in my experience, yeah, it always turns into some, when there's a unbalance in the community, one seeking power or one not getting enough power or vice versa, that, that, that turns into a toxic relationship between either yourself in the community or the communities with another community itself. What do you think, Sean? Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that that kind of plays into what we were sort of talking about the other day, and that is the application of power within a social medium. And mm -hmm. so the social medium that we have today is called the internet, but the social medium back then was called, uh, you know, gathering around in white robes and talking about things. And uh, through word of mouth, the uh, influence was created. <clears throat> and so those communities that were built back then, much like today, are, are can be built around positive or negative uh, uh, reasons or toxicity or non-toxicity sort of uh, environments. The difference between today and then is that <clears throat> the speed of which things can be built today and the speed at which they can be distorted today. So, um, you know, I think it's the example that I would like to use is the soldiers that were in the decimation act. So you've got 10 guys, they're all drawing straws. And then uh, some, I, I draw the short straw. <clears throat> and then I look at all of my buddies and shrug my shoulders and, and say, okay, well, you know, I guess this is where I die. That's never gonna happen. And so if I draw the short straw, or if my buddy draws the short straw, or any one of those 10 guys draws the short straw, I'm looking at that situation and thinking, not today. And so now I've got 10 guys, who myself included, who are gonna look around. <clears throat> I'm gonna look around at the, the other 10 guys around us, the other 10 guys over there, the other 10 guys over there, and I'm going to say to the, to all of those groups, no one has to do this. You know what we can do today? Let's put our heads together and create a hundred men that ain't going to kill 10 men today. Let's make it a thousand men that ain't going to kill a hundred men today. And so as I see it, um, in those Roman uh, troop situations, you can be in any organization you want, but if it's wrong, it's wrong. And one man has to stand up and face the wrongness of the moment and help everyone understand how to get out of that problem. And as I mean, there's no way you two would have let that situation unfold the way it is. Like, there's no way I'm grabbing a club and saying, Chance, you were too tall anyway, we got to kill you. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way. And so that's the difference between a modern mindset and a, we'll call it a historical or a primitive mindset, but they were still good. They were either good men or bad men back then. But if they were a good man, it didn't matter how low IQ you were, how little education you had, how malnourished you were. I mean, if you're a good man, there's just no way you're going to watch your buddy draw a short straw and then shrug your shoulders and stab him in the throat. I mean, there's just no way. Matt, what do you think? I just I think that in modern society, it still happens. It just doesn't happen cutthroat as, as it was, right? No clubs involved. But we got cancellation culture, right? If if the group doesn't agree with somebody, they will or people don't agree with an individual, they'll decimate that person's livelihood, right? They'll remove him from anywhere. Um, so I, I 
I see what Sean's saying, but I also still think it's something that happens now is just on a different scale of death than actual murder. Mm, I, I think the you're you're right, and it's a fair point to raise. But I think the important distinction between the cancel culture and uh, a troop of ten men all standing uh, uh, next to each other side by side is uh, those ten men have served together, have fought together, have suffered together, have eaten the same crappy meals together. They have walked side by side through all of the weather, through all of the mountains, through all of the rivers. They've served together, and there's an important distinction between that and uh, uh, the randomness of the no-name, no-face uh, uh, cancel culture that can operate in its basement uh, as a power, as it were. Agreed. So does that bring up the point that possibly in the modern age of technology and the way we communicate via distance, right, is that communities in that regards are being destroyed and that maybe what's coming in this place is not better and we should as individuals be that spartica right and start forming our local communities of strength of 100 people who will not decimate them yeah i think one of the important uh, distinctions that i look at uh, in in this particular line of questioning is the modern culture today can interact as avatars, so they never have to look me in the eye, I never have to look them in the eye. We actually never hold each other accountable through, oh, bro, don't even ever say that again. Uh, so that, that culture can exist right now. The anonymized avatars of the world can interact and come up with schemes and plans and all of that good stuff without actually kind of being human. But those 10 men uh, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have avatars. They just had themselves looking at each other in the eye and getting ready to stab their buddy. And there's just no way. There is no way that that would have happened on my watch. Uh, I, that would have been the perfect opportunity to create a massive uh, internal revolt against whoever. I don't care. Uh, there's just no way that that's going to fly on my watch. So... Uh, I think that it was a different time by looking your buddy in the eye and having to do that deed versus today where it's so anonymized. People uh, have got zero accountability on their anonymized uh, uh, presence that it, it can fly, you know, as it were. Yeah, There's a, a great question here from Winterstorm that plays into exactly what you guys are talking about. <clears throat> I'm going to put it up here. He says, do you think these days that communities come together by what makes us the same? similar viewpoints or what divides us i.e we all hate or are scared of the same thing and i think this is an interesting question because it's kind of both especially on the internet because i think it's a at least in my mind one leads into the other you start following certain people that have a similar view and then they take a stance similar to what we were talking about yesterday in terms of social power they take a stance and then uh without critical thought, without the thought that you're talking about, Sean, of going, no, I'm not doing that. That's wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to just stab my buddy. Uh, that social pressure can change what we think we might do in those situations versus what we actually will do in those situations. So uh, the question goes to you, Sean, right off the bat. Do you think that, that in these days, the communities come together by what makes us the same or what divides us? I don't know. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think it even matters. And here's why. Because whatever collects people together, whatever makes them commonly gather, 
then that's an opportunity to not influence the group, but to educate the group as to how to do it better. So if everyone uh, joins Team Awesome, because uh, we're wearing t-shirts called Team Hate, and they come on over for the hate, uh, well, then it's our job to um, educate that hatefulness into something more awesomeness. And so personally, I don't care how a group gets together. If somehow they align with me to even a small degree, it's an opportunity to start the conversation to make things better, not just for them. Like it's not a one-way street. It's my job to understand them, that their job to better understand the group and then start cooperating as a uh, entity, as it were. So uh, it doesn't matter to me as long as the education process is done correctly. I think something good can come of it. I like that. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? I think, uh, I don't know. I think fear is one of the bigger things over hate, honestly. And I think it's not going to be all Jedi selfish, but let's fear leads into hate, right? Um, I think fear is, is is something that is very easy to manipulate within our current uh, ability to communicate too. So that's, and I think that it's a negative, but I also believe that there's a positive in the people who who see that fear being generated and go, whoa, whoa, whoa stop, relax, take your time and research, right? And you know, actually make a collective <laughs> collective uh, decision and form a community in that regards, right? I. I don't think it's a hate thing. I think it's a fear thing and the fear thing turns into hate and then it just goes from there, right? Um, I can get more details, but I don't want to, to mention some things. Um, but I, I, there was a couple of years ago where there was two, two communities, those who followed and those who questioned and the people who were questioned were shunned and hated really quick because of the fear that was being produced locally but, and the unknown, right? So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's more of a fear thing than a hate thing, and that's where it divides those who can control their fear, those who can't. That's an interesting point, Sean. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I agree with Matt. The fear is a great tool to manipulate people who are easily scared, and so the um, I think one of the interesting things uh, to me is less to do with two years ago. And it's more to do with today. I still see people on the internet who are desperate for validation that will keep stoking the fear in order to get the clicks, in order to get the likes, in order to get the, yeah, you, you tell them, or, oh, yeah, you tell us, or, oh, you tell it, bro. And uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's quick validation if you keep pumping your fist at the clouds. You know what's really slow validation is really hard work. It is the kind of stuff that doesn't get uh, all the clicks and all the likes. It doesn't even hit the radar because really hard, quiet work kind of happens in the shadows. And so um, I see characters out there with all of the imagery. Let's, let's talk about how they screwed us over. And tomorrow it'll be another version of let's whatever, fill in the blank that is going to inflame the internet. And uh, the stuff that really moves the needle is the stuff that doesn't inflame the internet. It's the stuff that just takes time. Just be a good person, work hard, try to do your best, etc., etc. Those are things that don't show up tomorrow. Those results don't show up next week. 
Those results will take a year, two years, three years. They don't get clicks and likes. They don't. And that's why I see a certain element of society uh, focusing on the hacks, the shortcuts, the let's do whatever fist in the air on whatever the hot topic subject of today is. So two years ago, it was a hot topic. But today it's still a hot topic because two years later, they're still using that same hot topic to try to manipulate simple-minded people. <clears throat> I like that a lot. The, uh, the question... <laughs> the question of fear and how to utilize it because it can be used in a very positive manner. When you think about it, you look back at World War II and the uh, propaganda posters that they were utilizing in a similar way to clickbait is used today is to incite a reaction. The reaction back in the day was to get people to enlist in the military and, you know, fight against the Nazis or fight against whatever you want to utilize, um, depending on which country you're in. But that fear can be utilized for both positive and negative effects, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I have another question here from... Which well, is from... just hang on a sec. Oh, so okay. you're right. It was, and, and that was and probably necessary because at the time, we'll say Canada needed a common enemy. Mm. And that common enemy was actually like real people who had real evil mm -hmm. thoughts about how to do evil to the world. And so... Uh, there's a there's a big difference between um, someone stoking up the uh, stoking up the fires of hate and all the propaganda stuff uh, that is um, artificially manufactured uh, versus um, Europe on fire and all of the problems of the evilness that was starting to spread through the world at that point. I mean, um, the Holocaust versus uh, imaginary government schemes that are trying to take over our country through a vaccine. I mean, there's a wild difference between the two. There is. Matt, you got any thoughts on that? Well, just look at some of the, not even World War II, but some of the wars that happened afterwards, right? Identify there is this fear of this thing here that we have to go in and take them out because that is a big fear that we've seen that's not really there or may or may not have been, but we went in there and we did this to that country and blah. So, I mean, fear, yeah, I mean, we rallied the troops, but at the same time, what cost? The fear to rally and be positive is on the opposite side of the same coin is a fear that it will hate and destroy, right? Sure, it's a good thing, but there's going to be a counter effect too as well that's likely not negative or likely not positive, but more negative. Interesting. Do you think that uh, bring this back to the building a community, do you think that the utilization of fear in the building of community then has to have a reaction of like a negative consequence out of it, regardless of what the intent is to use it? I think that a there will be a negative consequence no matter what, but it, it's just the scale of that negative consequence, right? Like back to Spartacus and stuff, when he took his 70 people in bailed, right? For those dudes, those those seventy, they were happy. They were good to go, right? But what about the families? What about the um, the the other slaves who were like, you know what? I don't want. I'm happy serving water sixteen days a day. You know what I mean? Like I got zero problem doing that, but my lifestyle is not going to be interrupted. So there is a positive and negative. It's just the scale and the impact it has on the individual individual person and individual community because you can have both. That has to be balanced or understood from both sides. 
John, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the the overt realization of someone being nailed to a cross is a pretty good sign that you should align yourself with not getting nailed on a cross. And, you know, that's uh, that's one of the cold, hard realities of history that is a practical example of the choices or the outcomes of your choices. And so I suppose when the 70 guys were busting a move and heading off to wherever, and this is, you know, obviously uh, imaginatory, uh, I don't know, no one was there, no one was taking photos or getting on video, but I imagine when those 70 guys were busting, there were slaves there that were looking around trying to figure out, am I in or am I out? Am I in on this thing or am I going to play it safe and I'm going to uh, ignore it and, and just keep serving water 16 hours a day and hopefully nobody uh, cracks me upside the head because uh, somehow they feel that I participated in it by not trying to stop it. So through the simple act of inaction, perhaps there would be punishment for that inaction as it were. And so it's, it's a really interesting situation when 70 guys are busting a move you probably don't have a whole lot of time to decide which side you are on. And so that's kind of critical, I suppose, that long before that move was busted, everyone should have been thinking about, am I on the side of uh, evil or am, am I on the side of good? Uh, am I down with slavery or am I not down with slavery? Do I like how I'm treated or don't I? And it's all of these decisions that people could make long before there's an escape but most people don't want to face the cold, harsh reality of their circumstances in that moment. They just keep on keeping on. They keep on putting their head down. They keep on serving 16 hours of uh, water per day uh, with no thought to uh, becoming more or doing better or helping your fellow man or seeing your full potential or et cetera. <clears throat> Matt, you got any other thoughts on that? I got a quick question from Winterstorm, but... No, we're good. Rip it. So, uh, Winterstorm asks, and it again, it's in line. He, he's right on in line with what, exactly what you guys are talking. It's almost like he's listening, perhaps hmm. asking questions directly Weird. about what's happening. Weird. Anyway, uh, he says, if a community is made up of different people, it is also made up of different roles, leaders, and followers. And could there be a community made up entirely of leaders? What do you think, Sean? How about yourself? What do you think? Yeah, I do think that there can be communities like that. Typically, they're called special operations units. And so uh, everyone that I worked alongside of, whether they were subordinated to me or not, they were all leaders in their own right. And that kind of came about because over a period of years of training and, and excellence and et cetera, they entered into an environment that uh, encouraged that kind of action, encouraged that kind of mindset. Every man is an individual operator to some degree. And, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, and this was reinforced in my mind, and I believe it to be the best way forward for every human being is you're, you're your own leader, you're your own boss, you're your own, you shape your own universe, you get to pick what you're going to do next. No one should be telling you no one, you shouldn't be sitting back waiting for someone to give you the advice, you got to form your own advice, you got to shape your own path. And so that's what I was, that's what I became really comfortable with in special operations. The guys to my left and right were leaders, as was I. And uh, no one had to lead more than anyone else. No one had to be the best leader or the worst leader. 
every man was capable of being a, a leader. So it was an entire unit of leaders, in my opinion. Hmm. Matt, what do you think? I think if you're a leader, that that's the definition of being a leader, that you have followers, right? So you need somebody to follow you in some respect. In Sean's case, I'm just going to assume, but there was in this time and place when someone said, hey, I'm doing this, other dudes were like, okay, let's go do it, right? Because that was the right call. You all had that time and chance to execute and lead and follow fluidly, right? In, that's in the, that's the key, fluidly. You're right. Yeah. Um, as for... Um, a collection of leaders. Yeah, I think we see it all the time, like managers and business. I'm not going to call managers leaders. Actually, I'm going to retract that because managers and leaders are totally different groups. But uh, like just in the army, non-commissioned officers, right? The, the sergeants and warrants and stuff, they were their own community and they were leading dudes underneath them. But they came together and they had their own groups or they had their NCO, NCO hours and talk shop and stuff. That was a community too inside of a bigger community inside of a bigger community right so i think yeah i think it's also it's also necessary necessary to actually have a community based on your position too as well to grow your position and share your wealth of knowledge to another person in the same position and grow that community itself so that the other communities can also be brought up as even more john yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm just thinking um, about special operations and how it is possible to have everyone act in a leadership capacity in the milliseconds, as it were, fluidized, just as Matt uh, clearly stated. Uh, so I think it's possible. It uh, comes down to understanding that everyone has something to add at some point or another and being open-minded enough to... Uh, choose the correct path forward for the team. If it's if it's uh, being led, then that means that, uh, as is being stated, there are followers. So for the team, you got to be open-minded enough to let the team lead itself appropriately in the moment that is the now. And so that can shift from leader to leader based on subject matter expertise or tactical blah, 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 strategic yada, yada, yada all kinds of reasons that leadership can shift fluidized in the moment. However, it can't be so loosely structured that uh, a whole pile of people who've never worked together at all, ever, that can happen easily. It doesn't happen easily if the, if the group of um, individuals are truly just a group of individuals who don't understand how to work well together. So maybe when a group is being formed up, we'll call it the collective as an example. When the collective is being formed up, everyone's trying to learn how to play together, how to interact within the roles that they're assigned, how to do this or do that. So everyone's figuring out that part, but at some point, everyone should figure out what they have to add or what they have to detract away from the unit. They get on with improving themselves on the detractions. They get on with uh, taking the things that they're good at and imparting those into others. We're supposed to improve all of those around us and we're supposed to sort out our own mistakes, our own uh, shortcomings. So if we, if we focus on our shortcomings while spreading the, the, the high skills, as it were, then that's how you build a team. But that takes time. So when the collective gets together as, as individuals who've never worked together, there's going to be a little bit of 
shaping. There's going to be a little bit of musical chairs. There's going to be a little bit of trying to figure out how to do it. But after a while, when the team has worked together, everyone should understand how things work. And if everyone doesn't understand how things are supposed to work or how things should be working right now, then it's leadership's job or the group's job to lead its way out of the problem and move forward in a, a forward uh, momentum trajectory. So mm, I think any team can work with one leader or a thousand leaders. The, the culture of the community or the culture of the team will be developed over time based on how those people gel together on a common purpose. Matt, you got something? Yeah, I just wanted to quick. I 100% agree, 100% agree. Uh, I think maybe kind of thought just came when you were talking about that, Sean, is that I think maybe it's because leaders, like good leaders, know how to defer their leadership and follow in the situation when it is necessary. Mm. And that's it. I think that goes into what we were saying yesterday, um, the difference between giving someone power or empowering them that kind of in line with what you're thinking there, Matt? Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I think that, I think that building a community is a different subject than building power or having power or gaining power or losing power. A community is, um, a multicellular organism that could have decentralized command, decentralized power. It doesn't require like someone mega large and in charge uh, pointing it to you go there and that goes there and build that thing up here. I don't think it requires any of that. It can be fully decentralized. What is important is that people commonly understand the mission, their why. Why is the community a community? The, the why is the most important part, not like who's running the show. It's what is the show. It's not who is the man it's why are we here and so the community as a whole can easily lead itself through massive decentralization as long as everyone commonly understands why they're in the game of that community so, winter storm's got another question here but uh any further thoughts on that matt anything else no just a, a quick little thing off the top of my head but do you think uh, it is, I think it's more about building smaller communities within larger communities in order to develop so that you're like, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, military concepts, but it seems smarter to have more breachers on a team than just one, right? It seems smarter to have a, like a, a team of breachers than it does to have one, but within a larger concept, then if everybody's a breacher then there's no specialty to it there's no actual development of that community because everyone is the same so you have to have some sort of specificity within a community but also um, be able to share and build that community without giving out too much of the secrets if that makes any sense well i, I mean what you just described is cherry picking an awesome uh, military unit like creating an awesome military uh, um, team. But that's not what communities are. Communities aren't like a special operations unit or they're not a bunch of combat engineers. They're they're not like a bunch of 
we've got 100 breachers, but we only need four because this mission requires two, but we need redundancy. So we're going to draw from the pool of blah, blah, blah. Wrong. That isn't a community. That You know what a community is? It's a random mishmash of people, perhaps. It's like 70 gladiators trying to bust out of uh, slavery and maybe another 12 people join them. In, as they're running across the horizon in their robes with their with their jug of water that they've used to pour for 16 hours, wondering, what do I do with this jug of water? You know, like a community is a mishmash initially until people synchronize up. Mm -hmm. And so nobody starts a community like this. Mm, so there's me and... I'm going to craft the perfect special operations breaching team as phase one. Nobody does that. The community shapes itself through happenstance initially, I believe. Mm. Matt, you got any thoughts? No, I agree. Diversity is, is better than specialization. Um, and even in that breacher team, like going back to the leadership role, uh, an assault team goes up, breachers in the, in the, in the stack, Get an obstacle, breacher up, right? The breacher goes up and he's in charge of that situation. If he has to say, hey, the salt team back up two feet because this is going to be a big boom, the team understands his leadership and moves back. But if it was everyone being a breacher, everyone will have their own, you know, oh, hit the hit the doorknob, hit the hinges, hit this, hit that, right? Mm -hmm. This conversation has kind of reminded me of when we had that conversation about the stag a few months ago where we had that in, one individual off in the side being the leadership and everyone's kind of like looking to him to see what's going on and see if he's reacting. And I think that a community, that's one stag in one group, right? But in a huge herd, there's going to be many stags in many groups watching different stags with different reactions, right? But they are still one big community, even though they're all getting their own little grass in different little areas watching out their individual stag. Interesting. John, you got any extra thoughts before I hit this comment from uh, where? Yeah, I think that uh, that's that's a good observation, Matt. Now, the problem with that is that eventually one stag looks, looks at another stag and says, bro, you're the complete opposite of running a good program. Now we've got to go clash our stag heads. And that's where you get that community of leadership. When mm -hmm. you sit down with leaders and you go, hey sort out your section or sort out your yeah. crew. Right? Yeah, or dial it back. You can't lead your crew. You, you're you now a follower. You're not a leader. We're changing this community a bit. But mm -hmm. that's the demand dynamics within that own individual microcosm in the whole, right? Interesting. Uh, any other th shot thoughts on that, Sean, before I move on? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Winterstorm's got a couple of questions here, but I wanted to throw this up here. He says, by the way, I'm watching from the beach with my girls. No excuses. <laughs> Nice. He's in the game. Um, this goes along to what we were kind of talking about here. It says, more to Sean's point, when does a group of people cross the threshold into being a community? What do you think, Sean? Via mm, intention. I mean, I don't, I think that perhaps a group of people can like bumble their way through life and keep bumping into each other and eventually recognize each other and then eventually say, are we a community? Uh, I suppose that could happen. But as far as I'm concerned, communities are an, an intentional formation. Uh, and so uh, using Spartacus as the example, they're all busting a move, all 70 of them. And as they're running together, at that point, they either pre-planned it, let's bust a move as a group, let's fight our way out of here. Well, now they're a community, presto changeo. 
But if no one had those thoughts, and if it wasn't a plan, and if 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 just seventy people started randomly uh, jumping over a fence and running across a field, and then noticing that there was other people running across a field, I guess that's an opportunity to figure out I'm not a solo player in this. There's other people. But I suppose eventually, once they've run across the horizon and they've caught their breath, and they're all standing around, all seventy of them, they should be at that point thinking, "Do we have a common purpose?" Because at that point. All seven of them could have bomb blasted in 70 different directions and gone and lived their lives the way that they wanted to, but they didn't. What they did do is they stayed together. And then that small group, through a common purpose of screw slavery, they started forming up a small army of 70,000 uh, rural slaves that went on to uh, uh, shape history, as it were. So uh, I think that uh, it's not mandatory that a community understands it's a community right from the get-go but at some point a leader should be looking around thinking hey there's more than just me here and why is that so let's figure this part out mm. matt what do you think i can i can just i can just see back in the day there's 60 dudes are like hey we're going to bust a move and also there's bob like yeah i'm with you guys and just starts bailing with them right and also since now seven they get to like they're they're hiding they're like who are you? It's like, I'm Bob. I, I grabbed a fork and seen you guys busting the move. I came with you guys. Like, so I think communities can naturally happen by circumstance. I think circumstance is the key thing there that there has to be an element of growth. There has to be that certain amount of calcium and carbon in the ground with the strike of lightning that also starts making microbes and also you get algae and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but I agree with Sean too that if, if a group of individuals are like, hey, let's like let's bust a move. We're we're when this is you know high in hell water, I think that that's also um, a growth for or a way for our community to grow too as well together. Sean, anything else? Yeah, and I think one of the reasons the communities will grow is if uh, there's a attraction to the community and and why is there an attraction it's probably because there's some sort of circumstances matt put it uh, there's some sort of impetus or there's the inception of wanting to change the reality that everyone's living in and so as an example if my life is super comfortable i don't i'm not really motivated to grab a whole pile of people and uh, start trying to change the world if my world is good you know what i mean and if all of their worlds are good why would all of us band together to try to make a good world good that's already good and so i think there has to be some sort of not seed of discontent per se when we're talking about these kind of communities but there has to be a purpose for the formation of the community as it were and so uh if if there wasn't a reason, then the whole planet would just have one community called the human species. But that isn't the case. There are all kinds of sub-organizations, all kinds of sub-groups, all kinds of sub-communities spread across the planet to better uh, serve that community for reasons that are typically trying to make it better for the community. And so what is better? I guess that all depends on the circumstances, of course. Indeed it does. And uh, Matt, you got a, another question or another thought? Just, um, I, I, I agree with that. Um, that I agree with Sean. I think the individual, the benefit to the individual is a key factor within them being part of that community. Right? If it doesn't benefit them anymore, 
I think they would definitely get out of the community or the community wouldn't form itself as a bunch of individuals not seeking a common goal through that community. Well, there's uh, so we got a question from Winterstorm that goes in exactly in line with this that I wanted to put up. And he says, do communities form for good reasons and intentions, but are short lived, i.e. GoFundMe campaigns or slave uprisings or <laughs> things like that, as valuable as long running smaller communities? What do you think, Matt? I'm going to put you on the fire first. I think so. Um, like when we were working in the kitchen this summer, like we were a team, like we had each other's backs left, right and center. We knew what people were serving or what was the next you know, step. But once that task was done, the community basically dissolved and we kind of went our own separate ways. It doesn't have to be a long lasting thing. It can be a quick, you know, two months, two weeks, whatever situation, but a community can form. Yes, there's friendship, yes, there's bonds that can always be brought into, but I think that's more now on individual levels versus as a community as a whole level. Sean? What do you think? I think that uh, I have no issue with some communities that are formed for good reasons and intentions, but are short-lived because what is short-lived one week, one day, one month, one year, if let, let's just call it short-lived for lack of a better term, the moment that you can start stacking up short-lived communities or short-lived lessons or short-lived GoFundMe uh, learning moments, well, that's a great opportunity to build your sense of the world around you. If you're only touching on two week uh, communities for uh, what I guess it would be 26, uh, 27 uh, uh, times per year, that's 27 opportunities of two week uh, campaigns to get to know other communities out there to better understand what community you would form to better understand what your world is and what you want the world to look like for you. So I think that uh, short-lived uh, campaigns are not a terrible idea for people to get a better sense of the broad world around them. And I think the other piece is that long-running small communities, if they've been running too long, they can get a bit incestuous, a little bit kind of stagnated and uh, locked into their dogmatic approach, given that it's a long-running community. So long-running communities typically don't have uh, uh, constant uh, fresh blood injections, uh, fresh ideas, etc. They just become stagnant, as it were. That's a great point. Matt, you got anything else on that? No. So let's bring it back to the concept of building a community then as let's say you are a individual and you see something that is not happening and it or not happening that you'd like to happen or something that is happening that you don't think is correct and you want to build a community where do you start what's the first thing where do you engage that directly sean uh on january 1st you start something called a collective i mean that's the truth of the matter it's uh how do you build a community freaking start you just start and how do you continue to build it you show up the next day and you do your freaking best and then week after week month after month year after year the community builds and then the community starts shaping you you're not shaping the community once the community gains a certain sense of critical mass then it will calibrate you. You don't have to calibrate it. And I feel that if we're talking about the community called the collective right now, 
I feel like we've gained enough critical mass that it's helping to shape us, helping to shape its own direction, uh, as it were. Mm. Matt, what do you think? What? I agree. Um, but uh, just to add to that is that a community has to be more than one person. It can't be a community of self. So I, in, in, in lines with the collective, I mean, that was you two starting that. And if it was one person, it may not be the collective. It would be the individual, right? So join us and subscribe, right? But once you start getting, like you said, that critical mass, more people, more dudes, then yeah, now it turns into a community. I like it. Um, on that note, uh, do you got, Sean, you got any other thoughts on that? Uh, no. Okay. So on that note, I want to share something with you guys. So first off, I have two announcements that I wanted to hit up. One being... Oh, here we go. Birthday. Do you need a drum roll? I don't. It's okay. Okay. I'm good. Uh, first one is, my it's my son's birthday today. He's turning 10. So, happy birthday, Arden. Congrats. Whether he watches these later on, cool. If not, I just wanted to shout out to him because he'll love that. Uh, but secondly, I'm going to throw this up right here. In terms, alongside of building communities, we have the website. And if you look on the website there is a new button for you to engage in right here called the collective store that you can open up and have the 3.0 collective mug. It is now available to purchase right here through Zazzle. So you can go to the website, it'll link nice. you directly to here and you can order it and you can do, do your best. This is the 3.0 mug. It has all of the fanciness, pick up the pace and do your best. And you can watch that with us every day. So I just wanted to share that with us so that everybody can see it. That's cool. That is part of building a community through uh, identification of either slogans or uh, whatnot paraphernalia that makes you feel like you're part of the team. You're wearing the right colors. You're wearing the right hat. You're wearing the right shoes. You're wearing all the right stuff. It's it's that sense of uniform. It's that sense of camaraderie. It's It's a good... Uh, community building thing when you can get behind a symbol as it were I dig it yeah Matt you got any thoughts on the symbolisms no I, I agree uh, 100% that there has to be like a slogan or even just like a catchy little jingle I don't know it it creates that everyone knows that everyone has a secret handshake those coder decoder rings and that kind of stuff right so no I like it I like it very much gotta get myself a cup well, the, the store will continue to grow as we develop things and uh, people can join the team and be a part of it. The mug 3.0 that you were hoping for is, is in the mail there, Sean. <laughs> You'll be getting it soon, don't you worry. Well, it is being made right now. It's not quite in the mail yet, but it's being made. The 3.0 one will be in your mailbox probably within a week. That's and, fantastic. Uh, you will be good to go. So if anybody out there is wanting to be a member of the collective more than you already are, because there are lots of people that are members of the collective, um, go yourself a mug and then you can do your best with us every day. It's going to be awesome. I just wanted to make that as an announcement right near That's the cool. end so that everybody can do it. Um, let's, uh, let's hit some final thoughts then, and then we can uh, carry on with the day. Matt, any final thoughts on building communities? I think communities are very important, 100%. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm a very individual person, kind of walk my own path, but I'm still part of communities, obviously, every random Sunday that I show up here, uh, and other communities. You have to be able to develop 
you can't just jump into a community and say, hey, I'm here, community, do, you know, make me follow or let me, you know, do, you have to be an active part of that community. You have to, as Sean said earlier, you have to work on your weaknesses and, you know, share your strengths. The community only grows with the benefits and the sum of its total. And if that sum is lacking, I mean, then that's, you know, adding to the community. There's no growth and you're just the third wheel. You're Bob with the spoon saying, why am I here? Well done, Bob. <laughs> Sean, what do you think? Uh, any final thoughts? Yes, Bob, just put down your water jug and uh, come on over here. I got another job for you. <clears throat> so I think that uh, communities, as we talked about earlier, they kind of come about because of circumstance, because of the need. I mean, uh, if, if not for the need to create uh, a community called The Collective, then just like Matt, I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. I can walk my own solo journey. I don't need to be doing something called a collective. But I do see the need for something like the collective because of the circumstances that we're in today. Uh, these kind of conversations that we have uh, today, yesterday, tomorrow, these are conversations that need to happen. And so that's why this community exists because of a need that has been uh, identified. And it's not just a, a need that Chance and I identified as, uh, it's not like we discovered a, a new secret sauce that uh, nobody has been talking about. We're just doing, we're actioning against the circumstance as it were. And over time, a community has been building around the need to deal with the circumstance that we're all in right now. And as more and more people, as it gains traction or more more people resonate with it, the, the community will build and shrink and change and go up and down and left and right and all of the things. It will ebb and flow. But as far as I'm concerned, to date, the community that was built because of the circumstantial need has already solved a lot of the issues that I thought were out there not being solved. And, and the biggest issue, as I see it, is conversation. I know that we're conversing right now, but just the simple act of us starting conversations day after day is one of the tasks that I had in my head in respect to this circumstance we're in. We all have to do a better job of communicating about subjects that aren't being talked about. And if that's all we do over here on this community, that'll be enough for me. Outstanding. You know, I, uh, I really enjoyed this community that we've, we've kind of, uh, I don't know if we started it or just, uh, gave it a little shove in the right direction in order to maintain these conversations, but it has, I have changed. I have watched others change. I have watched people grow and learn and build and do all kinds of things due to the fact that we started talking. And that was, I think the, the beginning of it all was just like, you calling me and saying, Hey, I got this idea. Let's kick it off. You ready? And we've been doing it ever since. So I think it's fantastic that this community continues to continues to learn. It continues to build and it continues. Oh, but what are you do, don't oh, you're going straight into your closure, I was, aren't you? I, was, I know I was, it would have been me. so nice. It would have been so <laughs> nice, me. but there's no yeah. way I can let you slide into the okay. closure. Uh, after you just said that, because here's, here's what happened. I may have called you and said, hey, let's, I got an idea. Let's get this thing going. But really, that was a moment where 
It was one slave saying to another slave, hey, do you want to keep pouring water for 16 hours a day? Or do you want to bust a move out of this place? Let's see if we can get rid of slavery, as it were. And so you didn't have much time to think, but you freaking threw that water jug down and started running across the field with me, as it were. And so that's a really important aspect of the whole thing of building communities. When someone says, are we moving now? You get to decide, I'm moving now. And so Chance Burroughs freaking chucked that water uh, jug uh, as far as he could and started sprinting with me across an open field as a slave, as it were. And so we have started to form a Spartacus-like army, for lack of a better term. But unlike that historical moment, nobody over here on the collective is Spartacus. We're all our own little generals. We are all our own little voices. We are a community that has a collective voice. We're not just one man or two men or three men or a hundred men or a hundred women are, are leading this thing. Every single slave in this community is acting like their own general. Uh, mm. So uh, I, I didn't want to end the show without uh, having getting the chance to say that. Absolutely. And 100% right. And if you want to be in this community, you know what you get to do? You got to act. You got to follow us. You got to do all the good stuff. You got to show up every day and think, converse, discuss, develop, become better so that you can better your community around you. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. So we'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.